This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. Got a little bit of uh, mostly housekeeping stuff that we're going to cover, uh, some stuff that's happening behind the scenes that could have a lasting impact on magic in general. Two things. First, uh, there's been some whispers from people I know at TOs that I've worked with in the past that reached out to me about potential employment that may have an impact, and a pretty sizable lawsuit that was settled that involved one of the major distributors for Magic the Gathering. And that's the one we're going to lead off with, because that one is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about this uh, prior to the cast, just so I could get a little more information on this. Uh, I knew at the service level, uh, ACD... Uh, a distributor that opened its doors in 1993, owned by Bob Maher Jr., Dark Confidant, yeah. was basically removed from the Watsi Distro program without notice. There was really no news about this unless you were following the legalese that surrounded this because there was a two-ish year gap fill provided by a court order that ACD filed, and now we are out this kind of perennial dinosaur of uh, a distro for Watsi products. So as a whole, ACD distro serving a ton of products overall and a ton of products that run hand in hand with Watsi products not only puts their business at jeopardy, but now forces uh, the LGS to diversify their orders, not as expected, but as a side effect of this. And it's, it's interesting because if this had happened during any other time, mm -hmm. it probably would have been fine because other distros would have been able to absorb it. But in Coronaville, uh, you have distros that aren't letting people come into their warehouse, game stores have less product, yep. and there's production delays. So now not only do you have production delays, uh, you have a delay in distributors fulfilling orders. So evidently, a while back, people who had their pre-releases fulfilled by... ACD were basically told, hey, you've got to fulfill your pre-release through somebody else. Here's the people you can call. We've got them some allocation of extra pre-orders. The problem with that was that it was pretty much, from my understanding from the LGSs I've talked to, they were scrambling to find a distro that they had an existing contract with mm -hmm. that had pre-release kits available. And that was the issue. So, oh, okay. you know, obviously it doesn't really matter that much since pre-releases did or did not happen, depending mm -hmm. on how your LGS felt about everything. Uh, but it's it's interesting because, like you said, this is this changes things because we were already having problems with the supply chain, and then you throw this wrench in it. Probably gets a little bit worse. It certainly doesn't get better. No, not at all. And when you work with distro like this, you have your accounts set up, you have your reps, you have everything else. So now that puts strains on every other distro to kind of pick up the slack from all the other LGSs. So it's not only taxing at the LGS level because you have to figure out, okay, back then, what are we going to do from here forward? But now you have to basically, you might have to drum up an entirely new uh, account rep 
at a distro you've never used before for magic products because either your current distro you're maxed out on and you need more product or it was the only acd was the only distro you were using so now you have to go somewhere else completely uh if i remember correctly my lgs uses southern for most of their stuff but when it comes to whiz kids and special order things i think they go somewhere else completely i don't think they go yeah. through southern and they maintain a fairly large list of uh account reps everywhere and all those account reps know the my store's business model yeah. They know what the customers want, where things are going, and will actively make suggestions to my L, uh, my LGS about, hey, we're getting this in. You ordered a bunch of this. If it's sold well, why don't we look at that? And so there's a lot of tiered issues here if ACD kind of sinks from a distro standpoint, not just for Magic like it has, but for everything else moving forward. If, it, if this does affect the bottom line, as Bob has made uh, kind of abundantly clear. Yeah. And, you know, of interest along with that is the fact that, you know, I, some people may not know, not owning an LGS, LGSs are incredibly hand-to-mouth and almost universally run under debt mm-hmm. of some sort. You almost always have a line of credit out with your distributor. And you, if you had this rep and you had this long-standing relationship, it's just like any bank. Like, hey, you know what? You've been with us for 10 years. We'll give you a little bit of leeway. Yep. And you may get, you know, an extra couple days that you can make a payment or something, or they may be like, look, you know, we know you're going to make it back at pre-release. You only owe us a couple hundred bucks. Take your pre-release kits, pay us back afterwards. Mm -hmm. And this has that impact as well, which in a time when an LGS is already struggling, makes things significantly worse. So I'm not saying that this is going to lead to widespread closures of LGSs or anything, because it's, you know, not... As distros go, it was one of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but it certainly has an effect on those LGSs that did use Alliance yep. and will have ripple effects on other distros, as you touched on with them trying to, you know, you've got these reps, these relations, mm-hmm. and now I may be a rep that has, you know, 20 people with Magic and 50 total clients. Well, all of a sudden I'm getting 10 more with Magic, and, you know, if ACD does go, you know, tits up, all of a sudden I got 20 more. Mm-hmm. Great. I, I now am in a social worker situation where I've got 70 cases to manage and I yeah, can't do it. And there's too much. So. Uh, the other thing is to note about distros, when an LGS starts building that account and that rapport with that distro, they're not allotted a full, the, I'll say the full amount in quotes, but the full amount is whatever they get years down the road once they prove that they can continue to move the amount of product that they are ordering. Yeah. So if your LGS does have to start over again, there is a fairly high chance that the amount of product that they're going to get for the first couple of magic sets or whatever orders shift from ACD to somewhere else are going to be less than what they would get usually. So they'll be a little more strapped. Yeah. Uh, and that's particularly relevant. So when Moonbase first started, you know, we expected 100 plus person pre releases mm-hmm. because we were going to run every single flight we could. We got 70 kits, we used them all at midnight for our very first pre-release because starting out it didn't matter Damn. what your history was anything mm-hmm. you were brand new and you got 70 because that's what yeah. according to the metrics that watsi provided distributors you were allotted mm-hmm. so it, that, it'll be interesting to see what this does long term because it's been quite a while you know acd's been doing dealing with wizards since 93 uh mar bought it a few years ago for millions of dollars with his investors and now all of a sudden it looks like he may be out yep we'll see so. and, and like we mentioned 
at the head of this, there could possibly be blowback with other distros because the contract was pulled uh, out from underneath ACD after being told they were a great business partner. That's one of the reasons yeah. why this moved to court was because there was no reason for this. So it's basically pursue, being pursued under a fairness act. Yeah, and it, yep. it was so what this ties into was some of you may not remember WotC had their supplemental program. If you didn't get enough from your distro, you could order direct from WotC. Mm -hmm. ACD was the primary distributor for that. When that program ended, ended without much notice to them. And as you touched on, that's... And there we have it, yeah. Yeah. So the, there might be a bit of a tenuousness down the chain uh, as far as distros go. And if we if we are going to feel something like this out here in NBG uh, Finance Land, it will be most likely for the the next set upcoming. I don't the uh, the D and D set. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll I don't see think it it's going to be Zendikar. It'll be yeah, down because after, that'll yeah. be Carta trying to get everything out to distros that exist, and so there's the, just this three month window for everybody to get allocated from a reduced amount of. of of distro everything will be there in time even if it just takes continual shipment but those first couple of weeks might be real rough uh, yeah just trying to get the amount of product that they have out it won't be a shortage uh like we're seeing with zendikar because of covid it'll be a shortage just because of an inability to push as much product as this usually happens through the pipelines so uh yet again something that'll affect us immediately, but will kind of suss itself out over time. And, you know, as things go on and whether or not ACD gets this contract back, things will just kind of flush themselves out. But it is important to note that much like we're seeing with singles from uh, Zendikar and Jumpstart, the rarity of this product overall, because there not enough Jumpstart made it out, not enough Zendikar is making it out. These prices are kind of artificial right now. We're Everything that is real has a price, but not all the prices are real, because of there we the, go. Uh, the scarcity. So, there is that. So, the second topic we have is about the Channel Fireball exclusivity contract for uh, Mythic. No, sorry, Magic Fests. They didn't have Mythic GPs. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, some friends of mine that worked with various tournament organizers reached out to me and basically said, "Hey, would you want to work with us for some TO stuff?" And mm -hmm. you know. So what this means is, according to them, they were contacted by Wizards of the Coast and told, hey, uh, you may want to get together, you know, more or less, you may want to get together a crew to run these events. Now, I don't know if that means make a pitch deck for it to pitch exclusivity, or if that means we're going back to the regional model. Uh, I will say, based on the feedback universally from vendors, and I'm sure you heard it too, everyone hates that Channel runs all of the events because they're getting increasingly bad for vendors and increasingly more expensive. Yes. And after the success of the Command Fests, which were definitely a much more regional event than Mythic Fests or GPs shaped up to be, I think it makes a lot more sense for them to go back to a regional format. Mm -hmm. And more competition is always better. I think this is overall a net positive. Uh, it may mean you may not see the nationwide vendors. You may not see TOA at every single event. You may not see Moose. You may not see Mint, mm -hmm. 95, those guys. Or you may. It kind of depends on how it goes because under the old GP program, more booths meant more points, which meant better position and higher pick in the pick order. Yes. 
for where your booth would be. Uh, and the other thing is the TL was never in competition with the other vendors in the room. So when you look at events and you see that Legion was a TO and uh, PES was a TO and Tom Shea was a TO in these regionalities, they were there to represent their business as a business, not as a competitor to the other vendors in the room. And the closest it ever got to that was PES. And God bless them. I love their booth. They just had like three or four people sitting there with sealed dating all the way back to god knows when yep and like sure there were cards in that booth because there were cards in the boxes but that was it that's the closest you got to competing with uh your actual vendors i think in detroit in the corner by the bathrooms there was like a legion style booth that had all the t-shirts and all uh that that stuff that's basically as far as legion goes uh, Tom Shea events were run by Tom Shea, and he does nothing more than scuttle around the room and check in on everybody and see how they're doing, making sure that even at the booths you can hear the round announcements because that is important to vendors. Regionality like yep. that was awesome, and the only vendor that made it kind of dicey even years ago was Channel because you still had to sign up uh, for a contract with Channel on the West Coast. You had to take a shitty GP to get a great GP on the West Coast. So you basically had to take a Salt Lake City uh, style GP, which was notoriously bad, to get something like LA or San Diego or San Francisco to get, like, but that was their model for regionality and it had always been that way. And they were always there to compete against you too. So they always made it hard for the vendors. And the interesting thing to me, too, is looking at some of the regional TOs who've, you know, had an active business going. Star City kind of became its own entity. But Mm -hmm. looking at Pastimes, who's been handling Gen Con and the 24-hour TCG room, their booth is the exact same as it was in GPs. It's just sealed dating back to infinity and one case of, like, stupid EDH foils that are worth too much money. Yeah. And, And that's not, you know, again, they're there to act as a tournament organizer primarily when they go to these large events Mm -hmm. and that's what they do and you know you look at the gps back then and sure traveling kind of sucked or whatever but the prizes didn't continually get worse every year under exclusivity Mm -hmm. the price of entry didn't continually rise every year under the you know guise of exclusivity and you certainly didn't have the attendance problems there were some but making it a much more regional affair where like you know look i live five hours from chicago great i can drive up to chicago for a day hang out come back Mm -hmm. not to mention you also had better cities then you had events in chicago you had events in kansas city and it wasn't just you know niagara richmond columbus cleveland on down the line you actually got a decent variety and that was really cool yeah Uh, All these TOs bring their own flavor and their own fan base. And that's always nice because you start with a decent population of players. You don't just start with a population of players that are looking to grind the circuit or whatever is there. Whatever side events happen to be there and just fishing to see or drumming up who you can. It, 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 It was a nice change to test the exclusivity thing. Going back to regional, even if it's just for something like the Command Fest and like that becomes what Magic Fests are in the future, that's perfectly fine too because each one of these TOs can now spin those events you know, in the, into their own image 
and and run things that way and like you said uh this breeds competition and that means prices will will stay fairly solid across the board whatever you get for entry will usually be pretty decent because everybody's always kind of trying to compete against one another especially in uh, the areas where regions begin to overlap you know tom shea's up here in new england but he went all the way down to dc for uh that was the grand prix that true name nemesis was uh legal for for the first time yeah true name nemesis uh, dropped that Friday in the Commander decks, and it was Tom Shea's Legacy GP. DC has historically been Star City territory, especially at that point. Yeah. Like, Tom Shea went all the way down there and brought his regionality to that event, and so, like, you look at... and I, So that means, like, Star City can pull from that. Anybody that's going to come in from the Midwest, because it's very easy to fly into DC, especially for a Legacy Grand Prix, is going to take back any kind of flavor that they see there that they like. And you begin to see people kind of compete and kind of like one up one another with this stuff that breeds innovation. Competition breeds innovation. And I, I, I like the idea. I really I, do. I do too. And I think that it highlights one of the underpinnings that people may not have necessarily thought of when dealing with booze. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, everyone knows that cost of your employees and everything goes into it. But when the cost of a booth went up 20% this year and the booths got more varied not really uh, that did cut into your buy margins for the Mm -hmm. weekend you suddenly didn't have the wiggle room you had to pay less money so it's something that has a little and of course you saw some prices higher because of it but mm-hmm. generally, prices were less affected than buy. Yeah. So selling wasn't as affected as much, but you may see more generous buy prices when you have to drive three hours with a van full of people rather than fly eight people yep. out. Or similarly, it's, um, it also affects the sales too. You, you cater your sales to your event and your area, but if you know something super hot, and you can afford to split your stock between your physical store and the GP, you might just start taking more than you would normally to try and make up those margins as well. It, it really does. It's not... it. The price of the booth increasing affects every aspect of your day-to-day. Like, you might go fish for sales outside of the GP room, meaning that you, you've made... You've attempted to line up large sales for, like, large pieces of cardboard. Um... uh, in vegas i know at least one ce set was basically sold ahead of time yeah um it was locked in and it just required that person to walk it to to get to vegas from wherever they were and pay and pick it up from the booth but that is effectively attempting to offset that uh you know people don't always fly with sleeves binders etc because it takes up room and when you have to be extremely tight and careful about your purse, very few people are going to bring stuff like that, especially uh, katanas were in extremely yeah. high demand. And when star city's not there, anybody who has an ultimate guard contract can, can bring them in, but the margins are slim and you have to make everything up either in your buys or sell. So you're not going to bring those when you fly. Now you might see some more variance in yeah. there as well. Like it, it is, it snowballs and it means a lot. It does. It's a very good point. Uh, so that's that's going to be very interesting. I, I think, think it also saves the life of Alex. Yeah. 
from Channel. Basically, yeah. uh, Alex <laughs> is uh, or was one of the lead buyers and lived in their GP kit for the yep. majority of 2019 and 2020, and nobody knew how he was going to survive the year. Barely. Yeah, I think this saves his life. Yeah. So I think so. <laughs> but that's uh, most of the details for me. You got anything else you wanted to touch on? Try uh, to keep it quick yeah, this no, week. Not really. I mean, the, the game's been pretty light in regards to what's been going on. We've just been having some arena events. You know, standard sets released. We finally see the ravages of COVID on the supply chain in regards to um, Zendikar singles population. And then just kind of general notice of what's coming down the pipe in regards to, to product. And I think this is a really good time to actually step back and see what's going on in the, in the vendor world. Yeah. So, you know, this is, I don't have anything new in that regard. So like, I think we're just good to mosey forward. Let's do it. Picks. All right. All right. Uh, I want to go first. Go for so. it. All right. So uh, my pick for this week was um, a little bit of an emergency pick on my end. I was just doing some backfilling and I was like, all right, let me, let me set up some uh, cards to observe, observe over the next couple of months. And as, as I was doing that, I realized that Splendid Reclamation has... Uh, it's been roping for a while, but the uh, market has been climbing basically the last two-ish weeks because we got Zendikar spoilers and we have some extremely heavy-hitting uh, landfall cards. So things like the new uh, Omnath and the, the new Yorion-style card, which basically doubles any... Let me read this card. Uh, Ancient Green Warden. Yeah, there we go. I'll bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can guy. play lands from your graveyard, which is whatever, but if a land entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time, so you get two landfall triggers, etc., etc. And Lotus Cobra coming back, right? So th that leads us to look at cards that play well with I want to go wide with land strategies. And Splendid Reclamation basically fits into the, all of them. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Uh, you can be dirtling. You could be aggressive. You can be controlling with this card. And it's all going to work. If you look at the top commanders, it's all over the place. From Gitrog Monster, which represents control, to Tatiolo, which can be dirtily. Uh, things like uh, uh, Omnath, Locus of Rage, and Borborigmos, and Rage. Yes. Yeah, and Multani, some of your more aggressive cards. Like... This card is choice in those decks. But with the new Omnath, you actually just win when yeah. you uh, when you cast this card and you bring back, say, six to eight lands from your graveyard. The The last bit of the landfall clause is if it's a third time, you know, land enters the battlefield uh, on your turn, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. It's just it's Pretty good. You take out the board. It also this card also pairs well with Scapeshift to just cycle through, get other extremely good lands, and kind of sneakily with Child of Alara, which was just eroded, eh, eroded quote unquote, a couple months ago, to make it uh, a lot better of a control deck, so you can focus on lands and just use Scapeshift to just sack a bunch of basics, get a bunch of non-basics yeah. creature lands, whatever you need to take over control of the board, and then get your basics back to just you know if you want to cast some large X spells or just. Uh, start animating things uh, you got that the the reason I, I i made this as kind of like an emergency pick was because it's going up and right now is a fair time to get in while it's five, sub five dollars this is from uh not shadows over Innistrad, eldritch 
Eldritch, yeah. Yep. E- Eldritch e- Moon. DM? Yeah, yep. uh, EMN. EMN, yeah. Eldritch Moon, which means it came in set boosters, it came in pre-release packs, and it was uh, in the FNM promo packs for a period of time, but we're out. We're out. It's no longer uh, in circulation in that regard. So we're kind of at... We've been at peak supply for some time now, and now with Zendikar in the hands of players slowly and then a little more over the coming weeks as we get the rest of it people are going to start moving in on lands matters cards and getting ahead of that and buying it on this card which there is no population of aside from what's on the open market no additional uh, is the the place to be you can pick up your omnoth later you can pick up the zendikar uh, commanders that play well with uh, this when those sets come out that will be in supply of those cards for the next 12 to 18 months this is gone this is the card to look at it, they could reprint this, yes, in a future standard set. I don't expect them to because they've been doing some weird things with lands other than just like shotgunning them all back from the graveyard. There was the yeah. Saga from Dominaria that did that as well. Uh, it brings lands back. I don't know if it brings them all or just the ones he sacrificed the Saga. But, I think uh, it's all of them, yeah. and it's the three, whatever, third chapter, uh, yes, whatever the they fi- call yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's the final chapter of that Saga that I, I cannot yeah. remember now, but this is the card that just gets you there it gets you where you're going this ends the game and it demands the respect of a finisher like you look at scape shift in decks like this yeah so for me this is the perfect card to buy in at uh when it's under five i think in three months this is one we'll easily see it hit uh seven to eight if the if this trend continues because like i said it's just been on uh, an upward curve and i wouldn't expect this to be anything less than 10 in over a year if they don't reprint it just because yeah. this becomes a perennial all-star in decks that just want to muck around with their land base, even like I said, to do something super dirtily. This is just and I, I think it's interesting too because it does. It's a low reprint risk, even though we're returning kind of to the plane where it came from because we know it's vampires and werewolves, and this has yeah. nothing to do with either. Either of those, yeah. Correct. Uh, so, we didn't really get any specialty lands the last time we were on Innistrad. We got the uncommon ETB tap lands for like the second time, and that was really a, about the it. So, flip thing that made the big demon. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the token West, based one. Yeah, that yeah, one. Um, yeah, Westfield Abbey. Yeah, yeah, that. but that was the only one, and that wasn't I, I you know think, yeah. even though we got Gitrog, we didn't get anything that played nice with him. Yeah, it wasn't like so. the first Innistrad set where we got five. Uh, non-basic lands that all had a very unique and, and decent effect. So this is just a card, yeah. like, you read it and you're like, all right, whatever, toss it away, and it was bulk up until about a year ago when it started to to pick up, and I really don't expect, because it, it's tied to Nissan. if we're tra- trying to move away from some of these walkers and move back to things like Arlencord and going back for a werewolf theme, I doubt we're going to get a card really tied to Nissa, since we're yeah. just leaving the Zendikar set, but... I, even if it is reprinted in standard, I really don't think getting in under five is anything to worry about. This, this seems like a card that'll bounce back because it is just a perennial theme. You read down the list of the cards that have high synergy and things like Cyclon- Cyclonic Rift are high up on that list. Yeah, People that want to be aggressive and like be more than a 70%er in EDH are still going to buy this card. People will buy this out even for something that, like just taught you have a draw card's gain life. This is like the, Fel- uh, the Feldegrift pick from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You want the premier effect to be pillow 40 well here you go you want to be super aggressive with your land base and just sack it for value and bring it back to kill everybody with omnath well here you go and that's what i mean like this card demands the respect of a finisher both from a play pattern standpoint and financially so that's where i am right now with those 
solid choice. I like it. It has the EDH casual and competitive markets. Yeah. Uh, it could potentially see modern play. I know some people that go to locals in St. Louis occasionally throw it into their land sideboard and legacy. Rest in peace. Greatest format of all time. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's solid. Yeah. I like mine, your Yeah, mine, mine is a meme, and I love memes. You leave, I've, gotta I've, live the meme dream. Yeah, gotta live it. So I went for Ema Foil Goblin Charbelcher. Why, you say? Because the deck has posted an insane amount of 5-0s in leagues lately where modern is happening, and mm-hmm. I love the art because they're literally throwing a Black Lotus inside the Charbelcher. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to see, but it's there. It, it is there. And it's worth noting that the foil specifically I like because it's a sixth of the price of the Mirrodin foil, and it has maintained a relatively stagnant foil price. So if you look at the foil price on the Mirrodin version, it's been 10 to 12 forever, which is great. Yeah. The Ema foil was bulk, basically, for a very long time. Oh, well, bulk for a foil at sitting around a dollar to two and we're just seeing an uptick to about 250 270 so it's still just outside of that bulk or just around that bulk foil range where you can easily get it in your lgs's binder as a throw-in in trades as just like a free gimme and this is a card that you know special place in my heart belcher is one of my favorite decks in legacy because Way back in the day, I used to smoke, and I believe you should build your deck around your vices. So one way or another, I was done with my round in five minutes. Out I go. Yep. Uh, that That is the explanation that completely summed it up so, perfectly that one of my old coworkers gave so me. So your advice so wasn't to just put 15 tail. islands in your sideboard? No, it <laughs> <All right>. was <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, we, we didn't play with sideboards. That's um, but yeah, and it, I think that long term, this is the type of thing that they're never going to reprint outside of a master set. They don't like chance. They don't like random. They'll do coin flips and stuff because that's cool. But when it's something like Belcher, Helm of Obedience, stuff like that, we haven't really had a good polymorph effect in years. So it feels like it's not the type of thing that they're ready to just throw up and reprint. So I think it's at bulk foil price an insanely good pickup long term and if this deck does have legs and paper magic ever takes mm-hmm. off again for modern it's easily a five to ten dollar foil on the low end yeah it, it's interesting that this card's come up again because at um modern horizons release there was the meme dream surrounding this deck and, and i brought it up for people i'll bring it up again and That version of the deck involves Chancellor of the Tangle, my pick from like a year and a half ago prior to Neoform. Yep. And this version of the deck doesn't involve it at all. No, and which is strange to me. It, it, it's still strange to me as well, and it just seems like if you're not going to try and burp people out as quickly as possible, that means you have to plan to stick around for an additional couple of turns which means the deck is probably more robust than it looks on the surface, which lends more credence to the fact that it isn't just uh, a here-and-gone kind of thing. And that's kind of important to note. In Legacy, Dredge and Belcher are very much the same. When When there's no graveyard hate, 
Dredge is there to remind you why you need it. When Force yep. of Will, for whatever reason, population dips in the format, Goblin Charibel is, is there to remind you why that can't happen. And both yep. of those decks keep that format honest. This is a deck in Modern that has never existed, and so there's nobody to keep honest. It's just here to surprise the hell out of people. Yeah. And for that to take over Modern events, to begin 5 owing to beat out the mill meme that we saw this past weekend and hold steady, this begs to be a card that looks to be, you know, three to five for the non-foil because it really has very narrow applications. This isn't an EDH card because, like you said, there's so much chance, there's so much randomness involved in this, and you can't play, what is it, Mana Severance that allows you to exile the lands from your deck? Like you, Yeah. So you can't play this really anywhere else but these two formats but the moment it sticks even for tier two or tier three but people start picking it up as the pet deck that's when this card now is less meme and more real and that's why i was one impressed you picked it and two this deck didn't play chancellor because that like i said to me says this deck is going to be real and now this card actually demands uh, like the eyes and the attention of your wallet if yeah. you're ever thinking about playing this card four of easy slam dunk doesn't matter the version pick which art you like best and and go with it otherwise foil all the way for gains yeah as many as you feel like you can pick up for sure so it is i'm sure we're going to keep an eye on this because why wouldn't we right yeah <laughs> you don't you don't just let something like this go by and not pay attention. Oh, this deck, man. This deck. It's great, right? It's it's so bad. Yeah, I you, love it. You come at me on Friday with this and somebody comes at me today with Mill. Like I I don't know what's going on <laughs> in modern anymore. There are very few archive traps left on TCG player by the way. Foil and yeah. none. If you need them, move because they haven't been reprinted. Lord knows why we don't have like real traps anymore. We got a rare ravenous trap. So, yeah, you know, the, not a pick, just an FYI. If you're out, if you're ever interested if you're in out that, they're listening. Yeah, but I think that's going to be it for this week because I can only handle so much, and I want to see what yeah. that L, that uh, Vegas Stadium looks like. So, yeah, same. Uh, that'll be it for us this week. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and I think I said Twitter already. Yeah. I am at Halt I am Reptar on Twitter, and we can find you at Thirsty Sizzler. And we'll see you guys next week.